Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning and welcome to the Dollarama Fiscal 2021 Second Quarter Results Conference Call. Neil Rossi, President and CEO, and Michael Ross, CFO, will make a short presentation, which will be followed by a question and answer period, open exclusively to financial analysts. The press release, financial statements, and management's discussion and analysis are available at dollarama.com in the Investor Relations section, as well as on CDAR. Before we start, I have been asked by Dollarama to read the following message regarding forward-looking statements. Dollarama's remarks today may contain forward-looking statements about its current and future plans, expectations, intentions, results, levels of activity, performance, goals, or achievements, and any other future events or developments. Forward-looking statements are based on information currently available to management and on estimates and assumptions made based on factors that management believes are appropriate and reasonable in the circumstances. However, there can be no assurance that such estimates and assumptions will prove to be correct. Many factors could cause actual results, levels of activity, performance, achievements, future events, or developments to differ materially from those expressed or implied by the forward-looking statements. As a result, Dollarama cannot guarantee that any forward-looking statement will materialize and you are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. For additional information on the assumptions and risks, please consult the cautionary statement regarding forward-looking information contained in Dollarama's NDMA, dated September 2, 2020, available on CDAR. Forward-looking statements represent management's expectations as at September 2, 2020, and except as may be re- required by law, Dollarama has no intention and undertakes no obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statement, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. I would now like to turn the conference call over to Neil Rossi. Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. We are pleased with our financial and operating performance in the second quarter of fiscal 2021, highlighted by strong sales growth and gross margin performance. Throughout the second quarter, provincial reopenings, plans unfolded and economic activity gradually resumed in communities across Canada. During this time and to present day, our teams remain focused on providing Canadians with affordable everyday products and a safe and efficient in-store shopping experience. Our strong top-line performance reflected the relevance of our product offering and value proposition to Canadian consumers, and Dollarama's positioning as a shopping destination of choice for all Canadians from coast to coast. Compared to the roller coaster we experienced in Q1 with the shift from panic buying to full lockdown, the situation stabilized on several fronts during Q2. We saw a steady improvement in customer traffic throughout the quarter, and by mid-June, we were able to reopen the last 30 or so stores that were still closed temporarily as a result of government-imposed mall closures in the greater Montreal area. Store opening hours have also been normalizing and sales of some of our non-essential categories such as summer seasonal picked up as lockdown measures were lifted. Overall, when looking at sales performance by department, our sales mix reflects the fact that our customers are spending more time at home. Think more gardening, barbecue, things of that nature. Looking at the bottom line, as shopping patterns and sales mix continue to evolve, Customers purchased more higher margin items, namely summer seasonal, and less impulse items, such as chewing gum and candy, resulting in a strong gross margin performance. On the real estate front, we opened 13 net new stores during the quarter. Our plan is to press ahead with as many net new stores openings as possible for the remainder of the year, in line with our long-term growth plan. As I speak, 
Conditions appear favorable, but as with everything else these days, the number of new store openings will depend to some degree on how well communities across the country control the spread of the coronavirus. In other words, the exact timing of openings is harder to forecast this year, but there is no lack of opportunities. From a public health standpoint, we are very pleased with the effectiveness of the numerous health and safety measures put in place in our operations. Our more than 20,000 employees have remained vigilant in protecting themselves and our customers. We recorded a very low number of COVID cases among store staff and in our logistics operations in Q2, despite the lifting of lockdown measures and the resulting increase of in-store traffic. We will continue to make the required investments to maintain COVID-19 measures to protect the health and safety of employees and customers for as long as necessary. While the situation stabilized throughout the quarter, the impact of the pandemic remains and the experience of the past six months continues to shape customer shopping patterns. In this context, we are closely monitoring what our customers are buying to ensure our store offering remains relevant to Canadian families. The third and fourth quarters will be particularly insightful since they are historically seasonal heavy quarters for our company. We anticipate that Halloween, a historically significant season in terms of high sales and positive margin contribution, will be negatively impacted by COVID restrictions, including social distancing. Our Q2 results show the resilience of our business, and we enter the second half of the fiscal year with a good tailwind and 1,314 stores ready to serve customers across Canada. With that, I'll hand it over to Michael for a closer look at our financial and operating results. Michael, over Yes, to you. yes, thank you, Neil, and hello, everyone. So, sales for Q2 increased by 7.1% to a little over a billion dollars, driven by a higher overall store count and 5.4% same-store sales growth. Sales were boosted by demand for summer seasonal products, including gardening, barbecue, pool toys, as well as our everyday products. We started the second quarter with 104 stores temporarily closed due to the mandated closures, primarily in Quebec malls. In addition, 84% of our stores were operating with a 10% or more reduction in, in opening hours to stock shelves outside of opening hours or due to mandated closures of stores on Sundays in Quebec. By June 19th, all stores had been reopened and as of today, only 83 or 6% are operating with approximately 10% reduced hours. Mall stores, which represent about 22% of the network, continue to underperform from a customer traffic perspective compared to the rest of the chain. While customer traffic increased during the course of the quarter, customers nonetheless continued to make fewer trips but spent more on each visit. This is well illustrated in our same-store sales results comprised of a 41.7% increase in average ticket and 25.7% decrease in the number of transactions. If we include temporary closed stores, same-store sales increased by 2.5% year-over-year. Looking at online sales, while they remain non-material to our overall sales, these continue to see a strong increase and we are pleased with the continued progression. Gross margin was 43.9% of sales in Q2 this year, up from 43.7% last year as a result of increased sales of higher margin summer seasonal products and the positive effect of scaling due to higher sales. However, the margin continues to be impacted by the incremental direct costs related to COVID-19 measures, which amounted to $1.9 million in Q2 or 20 basis points. GNA was 16.7% of sales compared to 13.9% in fiscal 2020. This variance mainly reflects incremental costs of $32.4 million related to additional health and safety measures and temporary wage increases. 
These costs had a 320 basis points impact. The 10% temporary, temporary wage premiums for the store employees, initially scheduled to last until July 1st, ended on August 2nd, 2020. Other measures, for example, the execution of additional cleaning protocols, which represented about two-thirds of the costs incurred to date, will remain in place for the foreseeable future. EBITDA was $277.9 million, representing 27.4% of sales, net earnings $102.5 million, and diluted earnings per share was uh, $0.46, cents, a 2.2% increase compared to Q2 last year. Cash flows from operating activities totaled $282.3 million compared to $182.8 million in Q2 last year, driven primarily by improved working capital due to the deferred, uh, deferral of tax installments allowed by Canadian tax authorities in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic. Working capital also improved due to reduction in inventory as purchases were impacted by consumer shopping patterns at the height of the pandemic with higher sales of higher turnover domestic goods compared to lower turnover of important goods, imported goods. Inventory at the same date last year was pushed upwards by the early delivery of Halloween and Christmas stock to our warehouses. CapEx increased by $4.1 million to $34.5 million, reflecting our continued investment in self-checkout machines. As of quarter end, we had self-checkouts available to customers in over 90 stores across Canada. We expect to double that number by fiscal year end. Our objective is to install these in high-traffic stores only to help accelerate the checkout process. Based on our pilot to date, installed machines are helping us achieve this objective. Dollar City's contribution to our net earnings for the second quarter was $2.5 million. This contribution stems from Dollar City's second quarter ended June 30, 2020. As you will recall, confinement measures in Dollar City's countries of operations were very strict from the outset, outset of the pandemic. But as of their quarter ended June 30, 2020, Dollar City had two stores temporarily closed and only 42 stores out of 232 operating with reduced hours. As of this date, all stores were open and 40 stores were operating with reduced hours. Most importantly, most rich restrictions have been lifted in El Salvador, Guatemala, and Colombia, resulting in increased customer traffic in stores. Store openings were on hold at the end of Dollar City's second quarter, but have since resumed slowly but surely. In the context of COVID-19 and its forecasted impact on Dollar City sales and operating results, we had adjusted downwards the estimated purchase price for Dollarama's 50.1% interest in Dollar City from 92.7 million U.S. to 80.4 million U.S. at the end of our first quarter ended May 3, 2020. This estimate has now been readjusted back to $92.7 million based on Dollar City's June 30, 2020 preliminary unaudited financial statements. The lifting of strict confinement measures imposed by governments in these countries and increased store opening hours resulted in higher than forecasted sales and earnings. Based on latest estimate, the balance owing recorded in payables stands at $52.7 million U.S., or approximately $70 million Canadian. It will be paid shortly following the completion of the audit and the final, final, uh, final adjustments, if any. Now, looking at our capital allocation strategy, we will maintain our prudent approach as the situation evolves. The board approved a quarterly dividend of 4.4 cents per share and will continue evaluating the dividend on a quarterly basis. We did not repurchase any shares during the second quarter again in order to preserve liquidity. At the end of the second quarter, our leverage was 
at 2.8 times adjusted net debt to EBITDA compared to 2.94 times at the end of the previous quarter and 20 basis points below our comfort zone of three times. Planned cash outflows for Q3 include the balance of the purchase price uh, for our 50.1% interest in Dollar City, as, as well as the deferred tax installments of approximately $100 million. Looking at our capital structure, we have two series of notes set to mature in 2021, in February and in July. We are mindful of the conditions currently available in the Canadian bond market, as such, are currently exploring different possibilities. So overall, we have a solid financial and liquidity position. We will continue to manage our balance sheet prudently to continue to fund our growth as well as create value for our shareholders and maintain flexibility in uncertain times. Neil, over to you for the concluding remarks. Thank you, Michael. To summarize our operations from coast to coast, gradually stabilized throughout the second quarter, and we saw a healthy increase in comparable store sales year over year. Customers continue to consolidate trips, but they leave our stores with larger baskets. Entering the third quarter, all of our stores were open to serve customers, maintaining near-normal operating hours. We continue to closely monitor consumer shopping patterns to ensure our store offering remains relevant to Canadian families in the evolving socioeconomic environment shaped by the pandemic. The health and safety of our employees and customers remains paramount. We will diligently maintain our COVID-19 operating procedures and health and safety measures in accordance with public health directives for as long as required. That concludes our formal remarks. I'll now turn it over to the operator for questions from financial analysts. Thank you. We will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset prior to making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your device's keypad. If at any time you wish to cancel your question, please press the pound sign. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while the participants register. Thank you for your patience. The first question is from Irene Natal with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thanks and good morning, everyone. Um, thank you for your for your overall commentary. You mentioned a couple of times, Neil, that you're monitoring very closely customer shopping patterns. Wondering if you could share with us what those might look like today. Um, what kind of the exit rate was as you came out of the quarter? What kind of demand you're seeing? Um, just to category performance, any color that you can provide that can help us kind of frame our expectations for the balance of the year? Sure. Um, I'm not sure it'll help frame the balance for the balance of the year, to be honest, because <laughs> we do live in, in a very uncertain time with regards to shopping patterns. But uh, there's no question that, you know, the lack of international travel and a reduction in domestic travel means that people are, are staying home a lot more, you know, uh, sticking around uh, locally, uh, and therefore things like gardening and barbecue and, you know, cleaning up the backyard and, and redoing the, uh, the living room have all been uh, impactful for Dollarama and, and successful for Dollarama, and they're all, you know, um, some of our better margin import departments. Uh, by the same token, uh, there's also been an increase in um, disposable consumable things, uh, particularly related, unfortunately, to COVID, such as masks and hand sanitizer, which are much lower margin items typically. And then, uh, you know, to balance that, you have the reduction in the things that people would normally do, which is have parties and family over, and so the party department and some other things that would normally, you know, get boosted in the summer have been, have been reduced. Uh, going forward, we, we think the same thing uh, will reproduce itself throughout the balance of the other seasons uh, until there is a vaccine. 
Um, we continue to be hopeful that, that people will engage, you know, at Halloween and at Christmas, but uh, obviously we, we believe that Halloween will be reduced from its normal, you know, door-to-door uh, outing. Uh, so we will have our full offering out there, and uh, we, will, we will see whether people adapt their normal Halloween parting to, to still be able to party, but maybe more, more locally and, and, and with people that are part of their bubble as opposed to door-to-door, possibly. So we also uh, keep an eye on uh, the other retailers to see if you know, they, they see or present things that we haven't possibly thought of. Uh, because, of course, that happens. And uh, that, that's it, I think. Okay. So a couple of follow-up questions, if I might. Um, would you be able to tell us, I guess, how much of, how important is Halloween to Q3? I mean, you know, we have, we, we've heard numbers in the past, well, you know, one day or two days is 100 basis points, kind of like how much it is. And anything that you can tell us around maybe you can rank the relative importance of the different categories like, you know, decor or costumes, um, just so we can kind of think about how that might all shake out. Um, Irene, hi, good morning. Um, good morning. I think, um, yeah, so for Halloween, obviously for Q3, um, uh, without this disclosing the specific weight, has a, a strong weight. Uh, and uh, at this uh, uh, time uh, in the quarter, uh, we're not in a position to appreciate, uh, you know, whether, you know, costumes, candies, uh, decorative items will, uh, uh, what impact uh, uh, we will, uh, we can project. Uh, and so, and we don't want to speculate, and that's part of the reason we're not giving any guidance. So we, know, we, we believe that, as Neil said, that it will have a negative impact, but to what extent, um, we, we, we don't know. Um, and the same for Q4 uh, with uh, Christmas, but we'll you know, uh, give you more information at the end of Q3. But for the time being, I think it's safe to assume that Halloween will be down, and um, it won't only impact the top line, but these are part of our highest margin items, the seasonal uh, items. And uh, so we, uh, you know, depending on the results, that might impact margin uh, bigger, uh, uh, greater or slower. Uh, so unfortunately, we can't give you more color this time. Okay. Fair enough. Um, just uh, one other question, if I might. You know, certainly um, we've seen inflation creeping into the system, whether it's in the form of lower promotional intensity or you know, whatever it is, and everyone across the supply chain is dealing with higher costs. So kind of wondering about your thoughts at this point around um, directionally what we might see and what you're seeing in, in the marketplace at this point in terms of, of, of pricing activity. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, if I look at it from a, a, a margins uh, standpoint, um, because as you know, we, we, we factor that when we do our refresh and so on. Um, and it's consistent with what we told you in Q1, um, and that it's uh, stable-ish. Um, so, and you see, uh, you know, Q1 was down, obviously, uh, right in the peak of the pandemic. Uh, Q2 has rallied. We've picked up some of the summer sales uh, that we couldn't make in Q1 in Q2. And if you look at our year-to-date gross margin, excluding the COVID costs, we're flattish. And I think, uh, uh, anyways, for the, the, the next quarter, uh, it's um, uh, safe to assume that, uh, you know, that would uh, continue to be the case. Okay. And, and just to confirm, about two-thirds of the COVID-related costs you, you identified in SG&A are going to continue for the balance of the year? Yes, absolutely. And just a little, you know, Q4 is the biggest seasonal, uh, biggest season uh, uh, with uh, Christmas 
and depending on traffic, uh, you know, that, that number, uh, you know, can fluctuate uh, up and down in line with the traffic. That's great. Thank you. I'll add one thing, Irene, which is yesterday I bought uh, a, a good amount of spectacular Christmas decorated KN95 masks. So uh, hopefully those masks <laughs> will encourage people to get close and hug their families while, while still protecting themselves. <laughs> okay, you I'll keep my, my, my eyes out for those. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. The next question is from Mark Petrie with CIBC. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning, and thanks for all the color. I just wanted to follow up on a couple things, I guess, just to clarify. Um, you know, could you just uh, recap in a little bit more detail and maybe even give some commentary with regards to Q3 thus far in terms of how Seamster sales growth, traffic, and basket size evolved uh, as the quarter progressed? Well, right now, um, Mark, uh, we're early, you know, we're, we're just at the, the beginning, and I, I don't want to, uh, we don't want to go into any form of detail because the biggest part, part of the quarter is coming up, and, and again, uh, Halloween having a, a good weight uh, here, and depending on how this um, whole situation evolves, as you know, we're back to the back to school has started, and uh, everyone is uh, anxious to see the impact that that would will have. So, you know, uh, we've had a good Q2. Uh, you know, things don't change from one day to the other because you're entering uh, another quarter. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest impact is in front of us. Okay, fair enough. And, 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 I mean, just to clarify, again, you touched on it uh, with Halloween uh, in Q3 and then Christmas in Q4, but, I mean, it's fair to say that, uh, that, the, that the seasonal goods uh, in Q4 are much more oriented around sort of gatherings and parties uh, as opposed to Q2, which were more sort of toward the home and, and, and outdoor activities. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. And then um, – uh, you touched or you gave some great uh, commentary with regards to capital priorities, but just wondering uh, if you have any specific comments with regards to your expectations on restarting the NCIB. Right. So um, Q3, again, depending uh, on results and cash flow from operations, you know, uh, i.e. Halloween, um, we already have two uh, large payments to do, the $100 million on the deferred tax installments, uh, which are due uh, in September, and the $70 million, uh, which will be due uh, shortly also, uh, you know, restrict that. And we're, as we've always said and will continue to maintain, our comfort zone is around three times adjusted debt to EBITDA. And, um, and I think just with uh, those two payments, uh, you know, that... Uh, uh, would prevent us from uh, or uh, from doing any share buyback anyway. So we don't anticipate doing any share buyback in Q3. I think that's the the answer, and Q4 will revisit that. Okay. Appreciate all the comments. Best of luck. All right. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Peter Sklar with BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. Um, just given the uncertainty regarding Halloween and Christmas, I'm just wondering, like, how do you, what's your strategy in terms of stocking the stores? Do you give a, a full inventory and hope for the best? And if it doesn't sell for the reasons, you know, you've been discussing this morning, you just pack it up and give it away. Pack it up, I mean, for, for next year and bring it back for next year. Uh, exactly right, which is, because it's such an unknown and because it's, it's, um, we are a destination for it because we do a fairly strong job and, and it's something we've prioritized over the years, uh, we, we made the commitment to have our full offering, uh, try to make uh, the shop as normal as it historically would be. And since we don't know whether people will compensate by simply wearing masks, and being more careful, but still 
engaging in those seasons, which we're hopeful they will, uh, to try to maintain normalcy as much as possible, uh, we figured that that was the safest bet. Okay. And then just one last question, Michael. You said one of the COVID costs was $1.9 million or 32 basis points. Was that the gross margin impact? Yes, 1.9, and it's 20 basis points. 20. Okay. So already with the COVID cost, we're 20 basis points better than last year. So if you add that 20, we're in actually 40 basis points better than last year uh, with the gross margin. The same, once you've adjusted for GNA, uh, we would be, if you exclude the COVID cost, we'd be 40 basis points ahead of last year. And uh, EBITDA, 100 basis points, if you add the uh, 20 basis points related to Dahl City. Okay, thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Vishal Schreeder with National Bank. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my question. On a labor and, um, and you know, ongoing concerns about COVID-19, maybe you could chat about how you're finding um, Dollarama's ability to attract uh, labor into the stores and if there's any pressure there. Uh, so so the, it's been very positive. Uh, actually had a discussion about that with Joanne, our, our, our COO, yesterday. She said that the, the morale in the field is excellent and uh, the hiring uh, status is, is, is excellent. So we're very happy with, with that situation and our employees seem to be very, very comfortable at ease with how we've handled the situation to date. So all good. I, I, I'm very happy to report. Okay, that's uh, nice to hear. And on um, eventual higher price point introduction, is it fair to assume we would need COVID-19 issues to stabilize before management investigates that? Or, or, or are there other factors to consider? And is your ability to travel to China to, to uh, preview the, the new potential price point merchandise, is that a factor as well? Uh, so, so you said the eventual introduction of, of higher price points, which I think is, 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 is excellent because it allows me to say it's eventual and it's not present. So we will one day get there. And the question of studying it, we're always studying it, to be quite honest. We've been studying it for, for years and we will continue to stay on top of it whether we buy the goods or not. But there are no planned introductions to higher price points in our bricks and mortar operations uh, at this point in time. Uh, travel to China from the U.S. and Canada is, in fact, uh, illegal at this point in time. Uh, so no one is traveling to China unless they have some special visa for some special reason. Uh, so everybody is in the same boat, so to speak, or not on the boat. Uh, and um, we continue to do the best we can uh, to work with, you know, uh, conference calls and video conferencing and all those other uh, makeshift ways to, you know, to keep going in life. But it's certainly not as efficient and certainly not as pleasant, but it is what it is. And uh, we're making do. I guess the only thing I can tell you is that everybody's got the same challenges, so we're, we're all on a level playing field. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Karen Short with Barclays. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my question uh, or questions. I had just a couple. Um, with respect to the higher price points, um, I'm just wondering, have you kind of identified at this point how many SKUs you might look to introduce when and if you do? Um, and, and I mean, I guess, is it contingent on the ability to travel to China or is that really not a factor? No, higher, higher price point SKUs is, is, is an entirely different discussion from travel. Uh, travel uh, is as required for any price point, uh, low or high. And as far as introducing uh, a higher price point, um, the way we introduce higher price points when it's made sense over the course of time is that when we commit to it, and, and we have to have an excellent reason to do so, uh, then anything that can provide 
excellent value in relative terms to the market in any category that, that exists in our stores is, is, uh, is up for purchasing. And so we don't, we don't set a number, we don't set a budget, we go you know, all out when we commit to a new price point and get as many fantastic values as we can. Uh, sometimes that can happen quickly, other times it takes more time to develop, and truthfully it's, it's an iterative process. Okay. Um, and then within your comp, and I just had two questions, two more questions. Uh, within your comp, obviously you gave us the store hour, the overall reduction in store hours. So uh, presumably you don't get 10% of sales in the hours that were due, so it's a slightly lower number in terms of the impact of the comp. But within the mall stores, um, I, I would assume mall stores are down you know, double easily, like double digits in the 20s in terms of comp. Is, is that fair in terms of how to think about what the 22% in the store base would have done to negatively impact your comp? Um, yeah, so, yeah, one, uh, in terms of uh, mall traffic, it's definitely lower, uh, even though they're reopened. Uh, uh, you know, we haven't reached the... Uh, the, the levels, the normal uh, standard levels. Um, I won't comment on the exact percentage, but it, it, you know, it, it, it's significant enough to say that it's, it is lower. Uh, and um, and uh, as time uh, uh, moves on and, uh, you know, and as uh, the situation uh, if it improves, well, obviously traffic will go back up. But uh, it does have an impact uh, for sure. Okay, and then just last question. I, I just want to play devil's advocate on Halloween and holiday in general. Uh, and I, I mean, I ask this for any retailer, but if consumers are so bored and so tired of monotony and they're not traveling and they're not going anywhere, like, is there a chance you've maybe underestimated what sales could look like for holiday? Because no one has anything else to do. So wouldn't it kind of stand to reason that actually people may spend even more than they historically have because there's nothing else to do? I'm just curious on your views on that. So, so uh, from your mouth to God's ears. I mean, uh, I, I, I mean it's, we're all guessing, you know, and so this, you know, this is a debate about whether society is fearful or, or, or aggressive, you know, to, to, to have fun uh, at this point in time, and uh, none of us have the answer to that. But I can promise you that uh, two months from today, we'll both be a lot smarter about what it is going forward. Uh, but we bought like we have for the past, and I'll be very honest, if we can do what we've done in the past, I'll be ecstatic. Uh, so if, if you're... If your scenario comes to be, which is possible, of course, then we'll sell out of all of our goods and we'll have a great Halloween and I'll be ecstatic. And um, let's, let's hope you're right. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Chris Lee with Desjardins Securities. Please go ahead. Well, good morning and uh, congrats on this uh, strong result. Just a, maybe a few questions for me. First, is, is back to school an important season? I'm just trying to understand whether it was a positive or negative for you guys um, uh, in August. Yeah, we, uh, we pr uh, I mean, it is a season. It's definitely not as heavy as uh, Halloween. Uh, and um, uh, that's information we're not disclosing, Chris. Uh, so... Um, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, Neil, yeah. I'll add a little color, Chris, which is um, our, our business model is to offer everyday great pricing. And in our stationary line, which I happen to be the buyer of, so I can speak to it, you know, with, with, with uh, confidence, uh, our everyday pricing on our entire uh, office and stationary line is very strong. At Back to School where other retailers use marketing techniques like, like giving things away to get people in their stores, that's just not something we do. So where their sales spike because they're, they're, you know, they're giving away a bunch of goods to get people in their stores, our stores don't have that same thing. So we get a spike because a lot of people realize that our everyday pricing is incredibly competitive, 
but we don't have that typical retail spike because we're not in the loss leader business. Great. No, that's, that's very helpful. And then on the supply uh, chain, on the supply chain side, I used to see some shortages in things like paper towels or cleaning products or sanitizers, or has your in-stock position improved quite a bit uh, since three months ago? Our, our in-stock position is, uh, was quite solid a few months ago and really had a few items that were really hard to come by. Uh, I would tell you, uh, without making the people at uh, Reckenbenkieser or Lysol, the Lysol brand owners, feel too good about themselves that the only commodity on the planet that's impossible to buy as much as we'd like is Lysol wipes. And so we'll have, you know, we'll have production of other antibacterial uh, or germ and, and virus killing uh, wipes coming that won't be of that particular brand. And so we've, we've sourced alternately and those goods are, are arriving actually imminently. But other than antibacterial wipes, every other item that we sell um, in some form or fashion is in stock. That's great to know. And then, Neil, I know online is a very small part of your business, but can you share with us how online performed during the quarter? And I also noticed that you have started to sell higher price points uh, on your online platform uh, in certain product areas. So I wanted to kind of share your thoughts on that, please. Sure. So. Um, the online business, as always mentioned, uh, had a specific purpose, which was to service our customers that were looking to buy bigger quantities and had to go store to store, and it was highly inconvenient, and it actually was negatively impacting our replenishment because they'd throw off our typical replenishment by buying things out of the normal cycles. And uh, so it's done a good job of serving that customer. Our customers seem very happy with the, the site itself. It's user-friendly. It's getting a ton of hits a day. We're very happy with the traffic. We, we, we did some dabbling during COVID of higher priced COVID items to help service our customers. So for sure, you'll see some dabbling into higher priced goods. For example, we were bringing in um, some digital thermometers uh, for use internally. Uh, Health Canada approved digital thermometers. So I said, let's buy some extra and put them on e-com if they can be helpful to our customer or to other small businesses in the middle of the pandemic, we're happy to help. And so we did that, and uh, we had a very nice uh, traction on that. And so we'll continue to dabble in different opportunities uh, at higher price points on e-com only, uh, since it does not affect our, our bricks and mortar business. It's an entirely different business model. And if it can service our customers, then, then that's what we're here to do. Uh, as far as uh, the uptick in e-com during uh, the last few months, yes, we have seen a multiple, multiple-fold increase in what is a small business. It's still a small business, but it's gone up you know, several-fold over the last few months, so we're happy about that. That's very helpful. And, and Michael, you mentioned there were some labor efficiencies during the quarter because there's less traffic to the store but you know, offset by much bigger baskets. And so in this environment, if that remains the norm, do you see an opportunity where you can realize further labor efficiency because the traffic will remain um, uh, depressed uh, in the foreseeable future? Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, uh, um, uh, but you're right, uh, through uh, labor scheduling uh, um, initiatives, you know, tight labor scheduling, uh, control and management, we're able to to reduce, uh, you know, to, to, to match activities at store with uh, cost as much as possible, and we'll continue doing that uh, uh, in the next quarters uh, for sure. So that's great. And my last question is, if you can share with us again the gross margin, the tailwinds and headwinds in the second half of the year. You kind of alluded to in the beginning about the seasonal potential impact there, but are there other big factors that we should be aware of? Um, for the second half of the year? No, I don't think so. I think, again, these are, you know, the, the seasonal um, uh, impacts uh, are material in Q3 and Q4, but they would be, you know, specifically related, related to the COVID situation. This is not a, there's no st structural change 
in our competitive environment. Uh, it's strictly related to the COVID situation. And uh, given the weight of these seasons, Halloween and even bigger uh, Christmas, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to, to, to predict, and that's why we don't give guidance, uh, as these uh, two seasons have a, uh, an impact uh, on margin, uh, top line and margin. Great. Thanks for your answers, and uh, best of luck in the second half of the year. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Brian Morrison with TD Securities. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Good morning. Um, Michael, I want to switch gears and ask a couple questions on Dollar City because the, it's a material growth engine for you guys. And the purchase price, it was revised down materially in early June, and then obviously you put it back to where it was prior to, to the Q1 revision. So I really want to understand you know, three things here. What, what's really the increase back to the prior level? And then number two, can we get some color on what the EBITDA margin is at the measurement date? And then three, you know, how can we expect that margin to progress in terms of benefits and timing from the Columbia Warehouse investment that you just made? Okay, so um, one, the adjustment, uh, uh, the, the, the part of the uh, initial adjustment in Q1 bringing it down is we anticipated EBITDA for the uh, June to June period, which is a reference period for calculating the cost. Uh, we had anticipated that the COVID would have impacted that EBITDA uh, more significantly. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, and happy for us and uh, our partner, uh, you know, the situation uh, finally was better than anticipated. So that had uh, an impact on the EBITDA. And as you know, the formula is five times the EBITDA. Uh, and Related to that, they're all you know, mingle. Uh, uh, it impacts the debt level and impacts the working cap. So all of that, uh, you know, with the better results than anticipated, uh, set the price back to 92.7 million U.S. Uh, it, the, it, seems, it seems like a big adjustment just based upon, you know, Q2 performance that's, you know, June ending that would have been impacted by the pandemic. So is it more working cap than anything else? No, it's truly EBITDA. Okay. Okay. Yes. And, it, and the EBITDA margin, are you able to provide us some color so we can get a, some look at what the sales might be there? Yeah. Uh, so we, we don't disclose um, uh, any uh, margins. Uh, we did disclose it uh, 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 at the outset, uh, August 14th, when we exercised the call. Uh, which was uh, around 16 to 17% at that time. Um, and uh, for the reasons we told you since that we're not disclosing information, um, uh, no, we, uh, we, uh, that amount we're, we're not uh, ready to disclose at this point in time. Uh, the elements uh, you alluded to, uh, Columbia and logistics, uh, absolutely, those are projects that we're working on uh, to, uh, because as you know, uh, uh, all the initial logistics were set around El Salvador and Guatemala, then we moved into Colombia, uh, and now we're uh, working on that uh, to improve the efficiency and therefore hopefully, uh, you know, the, the overall uh, EBITDA. So, sorry, just to be clear, is it fair to say at the measurement date that we can use the inaugural EBITDA margin as a benchmark? And in terms of the benefit you might get from the Colombian warehouse, any sort of timing or, or um, magnitude? No, it's, uh, I, it's, you know, it'll take uh, a few years before, you know, we settle in. You have to, 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 to build, to, to um, uh, you know, initiate and grow. So that will take a, a few years to happen. Meanwhile, we're growing, uh, you know, more and more stores in Colombia. Therefore, pulling down the margin a bit. Uh, and uh, as we kind of fix logistics in that uh, part of the world, uh, the margins should be coming back in. All right. Congratulations on a good quarter. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. 
There are no further questions registered at this time. This will conclude today's conference call. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and we thank you all for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.